0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to a Sunday service. This week, we'll hear a message from Pastor Andy Bowles. First aid kits. How many of you guys have a first aid kit in your home, in your car, your work environment? First aid kits are great. If you don't have a first aid kit, you need to get a first aid kit, even if it's just a little cheap one, because, I mean, who, who knows what's going to happen, Right. I mean, nobody nobody plans, nobody in their week, they, they calendar themselves out to have an accident. They're like, oh, this Tuesday at, at 12.15, I'm going to have an accident. I'm going I'm to scrape my knee. I'm going to need a, a first aid kit, right? They're, they're here for the emergency. They're here out of the necessity of our un, inability to be able to plan for what we don't know that is coming, and which we all hope doesn't come our way. So we've got first aid kits. Now, sometimes we need more than just first aid kit, right? Sometimes we can run into some situations in life to where a first aid kit, don't do it. But just for the sake of illustration this morning, I want to kind of go over some of the things that's in my first aid kit that I've got here. Purified water, 98.3%, and a word I cannot say, solution eye wash. Something gets in your eye. Some water in this bottle. 98% or whatever it was. Water. So, I mean, I don't know. You may be working on a car battery one day, and, and you're, you're just getting after it, you know, and you're charging or whatever, and all of a sudden, boom, there goes the acid. It's in your eyes, and you might need this. So, so that's, that's good to have there. Well, what are some things that you might expect to be in this box? Band-Aids. Not in this box. Oh, yeah, there's one right there. Here we go. We got a butterfly band-aid. You, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy that we don't just have band-aids nowadays, right? Well, we've got all kinds of band-aids. We, you got knuckle band-aids, and and, and you you just got a, you got big band-aids, you got small band-aids, you got band-aids that just go over your fingers. You, so we got band-aids, we got we got galls, right? In case you need something better than a galls and tape. You know what that is? You just made yourself a band-aid. That's what that is, right? All right, so we got scissors. I wouldn't trust these scissors. We got alcohol wipes. We got tweezers. We got gloves. Now, these are disposable vinyl gloves, one pair. That's when things get really messy, Destry. You need that. Instant cold compress, right? Anybody ever had to use one of these? Is, is there any is there any parent here that has has a child that played baseball? You know how much you needed this, right? I can't not, I cannot tell you how many times in baseball the ball got loose, and found a bone, and hit the bone and hit the bone really hard, and all of a sudden Susan hits that bone. What does it do? There swells up a knot, right? And thankfully, not too many times did the was the bone the skull. But that's happened there, so you need this, you take this, you crack it, and and then you put it right on that spot. A first aid kit, man, they're they're really cool, really good, really necessary, right? But there are some things in life that you just cannot address with just a first aid kit. Man, I wish, how amazing would it be to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that anything you faced that was bad in life could be addressed with a first aid kit. But you know as well as I do that there are a lot of sufferings that come to us in this world that a first aid kit cannot handle. There's a lot of mental anguish and suffering that we face. There are a lot of relationship issues that cause us suffering and pain. There's some physical issues, absolutely, that will not be addressed by what comes out of this box. And so sometimes we need, even though a first aid kit is really good, we need something a little bit more than a first aid kit. Greg kicked off this series of messages this past Sunday, defeating the devil. And the idea of defeating the devil, obviously behind that, is the idea of spiritual warfare. Understanding that if you are a follower of Jesus, there are going to be not just one time or even occasional times, but there has to be the everyday reality that I am in a battle. And as a person who is in a spiritual warfare, that I'm to be ready at any moment for the spiritual warfare that has to come my way. And so obviously what we want in this life is to defeat the devil. Our platform verse is Romans chapter 16, verse 20. I love that verse. Paul is writing to the church at Rome and he says, don't worry, soon the devil will be under your feet. How many of y'all are excited for that, right? Excited? That's right, you can glad. That's something to get happy about, knowing that through Christ we're going to have power and authority to where the, the enemy will be under our feet. It's the idea in the Jewish culture to where it would be subservient unto you. It has the Old Testament flavor of prophecy to where it was said in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that, that the, the serpent would crush the, the, the seed. Jesus, ultimately, that's the, the fulfillment of the prophecy, that he would uh, bruise his heel, but the heel of the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus, would crush the serpent's head. We know that the only reason that we have the ability to defeat anything or the only reason we have any victory in life, period, is because of Jesus. And that verse really highlights that fact. And so as as Greg was talking last week, how Jesus did it, how Jesus defeated the enemy. And we know that Jesus defeated the enemy by the word of God. And every time the enemy brought an accusation against him, he brought forth the word of God. And Greg preached a great message last week that deal with so many other facets of that. Today we're going to talk about suffering and what am I supposed to do with my suffering when it's contained in the identity of spiritual warfare or my, my, warfare or my attempt to defeat the devil. If you've got your Bibles, flip over with me real quick to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians. It's in the New Testament. Matthew starts the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels continue on past that. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be here on the screen. We're going to just pick up reading, and then I'll explain the context of what I've read here in just a minute. And this is what Paul the Apostle, by the Holy Spirit of God, intended him to relate to the church at Corinth. He says, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, King James' word, three times that it might depart from me. And he, the Lord, said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, what does it say next? Then I am strong. Man, what a, what a passage. And I know a passage of Scripture that you've probably read before, maybe even heard a message preached on before. But here the Apostle Paul, at his, as he's writing this church at Corinth, reminds them that they're not the only ones that is going through some kind of suffering. This is, this is what oftentimes happens whenever we go through some kind of trial in our life, is we think we're the only one going through the trial. We may not acknowledge that, but, but the fact of the matter is when, when life gets difficult, then all of a sudden, and it's because of a necessity, we turn in on that difficulty knowing that things are not easy for us and we've got to make sure that the home front is short up enough to where we're able to survive through this. So it's not always bad or negative. I'm, I'm not throwing shade on the fact that when we go through troubles, we have to inwardly turn to take care of some of those issues. But the church at Corinth had become so inwardly focused that they had become paralyzed in ministry. This is the problem when my sufferings make me turn so inwardly focused to where I stop focusing on a ministry that God has called me to. Because you know this, and I know this, we can continue to serve the Lord even in the middle of our suffering. As a matter of fact, if anything, you should be doing that. And so Paul, he's... He's saying, hey, guys, you're not the only ones who have gone through a difficult time. I've gone through a difficult time as well. Uh, We can all say that life hits us hard. There's something a, a little bit more specific that we're going to address than just life hitting us hard. But because we know that suffering can come to us in so many different ways, we also need to make sure that we balance this thing out to understand, is my suffering due to some kind of spiritual Battle. And if anybody can give us insight, it's Paul the Apostle. If you got your Bibles open, just look over there to chapter 11. It's not going to be on the screen, but verses 23 through 31. This is what Paul, this is how Paul primes the moment. Of telling these guys, God's revealed some things to me that's kind of made me prideful in my life, and I have, to, I have to be checked in that pride. Therefore, God's given me this, th- this thorn in my flesh that is to keep me uh, humbled and keep me focused. But this is where he's coming from in chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. He says, Are there many ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Paul, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? This is where Paul's been. Paul's been where a lot of us have not yet been. Paul says, you, you think you've gone through some difficult times? Absolutely, all of us uh, are affected by life in some measure, some mean. But he says, in labors more abundant, in stripes, I have been beaten till my back looked like red ribbons above measure. In prisons more frequent, in deaths oft of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, say one thirty nine stripes. Three times was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I suffered shipwreck. At night and day I have been in the deep, talking about in the, in the ocean. I, I, how many of you guys love the beach, love the ocean, love the sea? I hate it. I, sand, sand finds ways to get on you and you can't get it out. You know, I just don't like it. And I don't like, I don't like getting in water I can't see through. You know? The megalodon is always under me. I don't care if it's dirty water and I can't see it. He's under under me with the mouth wide open. There's been so many times where I've been in deep water, and and all I can think of is, I'm going to get eaten by a shark. I, I don't know why I felt necessary to say that, but Paul's like, A day I've been in the deep, that's where it was, verse 26, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, I've been robbed, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils in those who weren't my own countrymen, the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren in weariness and in painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold and nakedness beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. He goes on and continues talking about all of this suffering that he has found himself in in life. But Paul was able to approach sufferings I think in a little bit more of a stable manner than sometimes we approach sufferings. Because when we approach sufferings, I don't know if, if, if you're like me, but, but when, the, when the suffering comes, then all of a sudden, questions that I did not have all of a sudden begin to surface, and now I've got all these questions. And they're not necessarily questions for people around me. They're questions for God. God, I'm, I'm sick again. I'm dealing with this sickness that seems to be coming back and raising its head up and it, it, its plague. God, I, I, I didn't plan for, for this accident to happen in my life and now I'm dealing with this. Lord, I, I didn't know that that loved one, that, that you were going to call that loved one home as early as what you did. And, and God, now I'm dealing with, with this. And not just those kind of sufferings, but even some of the mental anguish sufferings that we might find ourselves in. God, why? God, Why? Why is it God? Anybody ever been there to where you just ask God why? Somebody once told me a long time ago, don't question God. Who, who's ever heard, don't question God? So, this is the truth behind the statement that is so brief that if you're not careful, you'll miss a good truth out of it for a desire to get the bigger picture. The bigger picture is do not question God's character. God is holy, God is just, God is good. Even in the midst of your heartbreak and your sorrow and your suffering, God is still good. God is not checked out at any moment in your suffering. God is still there. God is more aware of your suffering than you are of your suffering. You need to take note of that. Sometimes we think that in our suffering we're telling God what's going on and why he ain't there. And he's he's absolutely there. He's a high priest, according to Hebrews chapter 4, who's been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows exactly what we're going through. He knows, he feels it. God, where are you at? Why, why are you not showing up, God? What, what's happening here? And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I can find myself in a cycle of suffering to where, hey, everybody look real quick. It's okay, not okay, it's, it's doable. It's doable, right, to, to handle one suffering. But when you got 10 sufferings on your plate, when it rains, come on, you've been there. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, I, I can handle the, the flat tire. I, I can't handle 10 flat tires in one month. You feel me? It's, so when, when those moments come, my mind begins to spin, and I get out of, okay, God, what's going on? You can, you, you can ask God questions, just don't question his character. That's the fulfillment of that statement, by the way. God, am I going through what I'm going through because of something that I've done? Nobody here has ever felt that before, have you? Let me, let me take a step back, Lord, and review what I've done over the past several weeks because right now they're about to cut my lights off. The kids are sick. The gas tank is empty. I keep hitting my toe on that same spot every time. Here it is, God. God. So what's happening? If we're not careful, life and all that life throws at us can so overwhelm us, we'll begin to grasp at straws and we'll say, well, it's, and this is the, this is the place a lot of Christians, now you may be here this morning, you may not be a Christian, and this may be just going over your head. I'm going to get to some things that's going to hit you right between the eyes in just a little bit, but this may be going over your head. But, but we as Christians, might, we might say, oh, it's just the devil attacking me. Now, be a better steward of your finances and your likes won't get cut off. I mean, there's some things that is not. Quit playing in the rain. You won't constantly be sick. right? I feel that. That's what happened to me a few weeks ago when the world flooded. Yeah. So, some things that we can obviously say, no, this is just because I've been a dummy, right? This, this, this is not spiritual warfare. So so what is it? How can we make sure that our sufferings are spiritual warfare? There's a couple of faults I want to throw at you this morning. You might want to write these down. They're not going to be on the screen. But some things that you might want to think through. Is your suffering due to persecution? Paul said that. He talked about being Persecuted, persecuted. what does it mean to be persecuted? Wrongly mistreated just simply because of your faith in God. That's persecution. There are Christians in the world who are literally having their lives taken from them simply because they trust in Jesus. There have been Christians all over the world in the span of the New Testament until now who have been beaten, who have had their property taken from them and then made homeless. There have been a lot of sufferings that has happened as a result of persecution. And I think we can say, well, that's obviously spiritual warfare that's happening there. Am I... Am I suffering because of a spiritual warfare? Am I being persecuted? Is your, your suffering coming after being, beginning a, a new spiritual discipline? Have you decided to begin something new, spiritual discipline to where you're going to wake up at a certain time every day and you're going to pray and you're going to seek the Lord in this certain passage? Are you going to spend some time fasting? Are you going to commit yourself to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with five people a week, whatever kind of spiritual discipline? And those are superficial spiritual disciplines, by the way. But if you're doing those things and then all of a sudden, it seems like, the brakes just broke off in life, then it possibly could be spiritual warfare. Are you suffering now before you receive a revelation from God? This seems to always be the case for me. Not, not 100% of the time, but um, 98.3% of the time. It seems to be the case with me. To where right before God is going to reveal some truth to me, he's going to teach me some kind of lesson, he's going to pull back a curtain on something that he's going to show me that I can either share in the word or or share individually or just to help me personally grow. Right before that revelation comes, I can wade through some suffering due to spiritual warfare. (laughs) What about while serving within a difficult situation. Are you suffering while you're serving in a difficult situation? That could be spiritual warfare. Don't, because you have a bad day, throw every bit of weight behind spiritual warfare. The devil's against me. Hey guys, let me just tell you this real quick. If you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, the devil is against you 24-7. Know that. He hates you. He wants you to be miserable. He knows he cannot take away your salvation. He just wants to make you miserable. Now, if you're, if you're lost, if you're far from God, never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the devil's not as much against your daily activity because you go in the same direction he is. You match in every step he makes. You say, Andy, I'm not that bad of a person. You don't have to be bad of, that, that bad of a person. You're a lost person. And you're going the same way he's going, and you're going to end up in the same place he's going to end up in. <laughs> so, so, the, so the devils he's against you. He doesn't want you to be saved. He doesn't want you to hear the gospel. As a matter of fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says that he has blinded the eyes of those who should believe. He is trying his best to keep you away from truth. But for the Christian, he's going to do his best to make you miserable, but that doesn't mean that everything that happens to me that's bad falls into the category of spiritual warfare. No. Spiritual warfare is due to a specific thing in my life. It's because I have been advancing in the enemy's territory, therefore the enemy is angered, and now he is assaulting me. Y'all with me? Y'all stayed up way too late to watch Mississippi play. Yeah, I stayed up late because of the Alabama game made me sick. But we want to defeat the devil. But it is determined on how we deal with our suffering. And so, so we can defeat the devil even with my suffering. Did you know that you can defeat the devil even with your suffering? By your sufferings? This is the deal. You can let your sufferings go to waste or you can allow the sufferings that you're experiencing in your life to be used for the glory of God. What do you want? Say, obviously, Andy, I want want to defeat the devil by my sufferings. I I want God to utilize these sufferings. So how do I do that? Well, the first thing is by rejoicing in my sufferings. How hard is it to rejoice when you're suffering? Oh, man, it's nearby impossible, isn't it? I mean, it's such a struggle to lift up a voice of victory while we're dealing with junk in life, but even more specifically, when we feel like the enemy is at our front door and all the arsenal of the enemy is against us, it feels like we shouldn't be rejoicing. It's almost, it has the flavor that we should be weeping and downcast and, and we should be crying out. And understand this, that the rejoicing that God offers to us in the midst of our suffering is a much more powerful crying out to God than weeping and mulling over what we're dealing with. <laughs> when we begin to rejoice. The Bible tells us to rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. When Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, he's, he's summarizing this letter in this one statement. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So what's the definition of this verse? Rejoice in the Lord when it's good, when it feels good, when I muster enough energy to? No, always. 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 When life is okay and when life ain't okay, when I get the bad news from the doctor, rejoice. When I'm standing at the foot of a casket of my loved one, still rejoice. Andy, how do you do that? That's not easy. Absolutely, it's not easy. Don't give us and embrace Christians that embrace the easy stuff. It's not who we are. You can pass that along to somebody else. I better get an amen here. Come on. Is it who we are. We, we want to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Lift up your voice of praise to the Lord. <laughs> thank the Lord for what you're going through and thank the Lord for what you're going through is going to produce. Romans chapter five, it says this in Romans chapter five, verse one through five. Therefore being justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Just keep the verses rolling. By whom we also have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Tribulations. Paul Paul talked about this, this, hold that verse on the screen there for me, Colin. Paul says, says this, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How do we know that this is good for us? Because of what, if we allow it to work in us, what it will produce for us, he says but we glory in tribulations also. The same guy from the background of the same experiences saying this, this thing just to a different group of people, knowing that tribulation works patience. Man, who in, the, who, who in the world wants to deal with the process of patience, right? Huh? This is, hey, if all of us are honest, this is our prayer God, I want patience and I want it now. Right? That's what we say. God, I want patience. And I, want... I don't want to go through all the junk to get that, right? Knowing that it works out. It... But I want to remind you that as a follower of Jesus, you don't have to necessarily pray for patience like it's coming down to you. The Holy Spirit who lives inside of you bears a fruit that is patience, long-suffering. And the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, who is willing and ready to bear this fruit out from you, just needs you to be a vessel in which patience can come from. <laughs> you have to go through the tribulation to be able to express patience. This, hey, guys, listen, you, get your pen and a piece of paper out. This is going to be big, okay? You don't need patience when you don't need patience. <laughs> Y'all writing that down? Write it down. Right, You don't need it when you don't need it, but you need it when you need it. The only problem is is we don't have a reservoir of it. Oftentimes, we're not expecting the Holy Spirit to be the one inside of us who is able to exercise that through the tribulation. When you're not in tribulation, you don't need patience. You're not expecting patience. That's why for so many of us, it's like a slap in the face when it happens. (laughs) And patience, experience, And experience hope. Look where we land here in verse 5. And hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. (laughs) We're taught in the word through our suffering, even when it is a spiritual warfare, to rejoice because we know what the rejoicing and and the situation, the suffering brings about as we allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of us. We sing a song, and in the song it talks about how I fight my battles. Y'all know what I'm talking about? This is how I fight my battles. This is why they won't let me on the praise team. I promise I won't listen to it later. Um, But this is how I fight my battles. Let me me tell you guys something. That's a really fun song to sing in here. When I'm hearing my brothers and sisters, this is how I fight my battles. Crying, yes, Lord, this is how I fight. It's okay in here because it's easy in here. Do you come in here and sing that song with everything you got and then Monday morning forget everything about it when the battle comes? You can't can't just come in here and sing the song and go out and live like the song never exists. If if, if rejoicing is, is a weapon against our enemy, then why not use rejoicing on Monday morning when we're clocking in or Friday night when we're clocking out and all in between? I'm not gonna be just a Sunday morning singer. I'm gonna be an everyday liver for Jesus, right? So, rejoice in my suffering. That's that's one of the ways in which we defeat the devil with my suffering. Rejoice with my sufferings or in my sufferings, but also remembering grace in my sufferings. (laughs) That's another powerful thought just to remember grace in the middle of all let me ask you this question when you are suffering what are you thinking it's raining y'all <laughs> we i guess we needed it so when you're suffering what are you thinking This this is huge. If you will hear this, this will radically change how you approach suffering in your life. Spiritual warfare kind of suffering, 100%. I cannot tell you how much of life is perspective, how you see things. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so so he is. How how do you view this? How are you thinking this? If you're not thinking this through in the light of God's ultimate grace that is abundant and able to cover everything in your life, why, why is that important that we remember grace? Because the fact of the matter is when I'm facing spiritual warfare and I falter under spiritual warfare, which I do and you do as well, we don't always stand up strong and fight real hard and win the victory or the battle of that, the victory of that battle in that moment. Sometimes we cave in and sometimes we do the wrong and sometimes we pop off to somebody that we love and we do all that kind of stuff. So what do I need to do in the midst of my suffering? spiritual warfare is to remember that I've got a God who has grace enough for me not just grace enough for me when I fail in the midst of my suffering but grace enough for me to give me strength in the middle of my suffering grace enough for me to usher me gracefully through my suffering Remember what, what Paul says here in verse 9. He says, And and he said unto me, I prayed God three times, let this depart from me. And he says, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, I understand. I understand that I need the grace of God in my sufferings. I understand how important the grace of God is in the midst of my sufferings. But also understand that the grace of God is going to be what gets me to the point of this weakness finding His strength and my inability finding His all-sufficient ability. It's, It's this. This is where you'll meet grace. You ready? Everybody pay attention. This is where you'll meet grace in your sufferings of spiritual warfare. At the end of you, there's still grace of God. At the end of all you can do, at the end of all you can say, at the end of all you can pray, at the end of everything you can do that you think you can do and that you've asked people to help you do, at the end of all of that, there's still God standing at the end of you with grace. <laughs> so you have to remember, if, if I'm going to be able to utilize these sufferings in the, in, in the context of spiritual warfare, that, that God is good and God is graceful and I'm going to let grace speak for me. But then the last thought is this resisting the enemy while in my suffering i want to rejoice and i want to remember grace and i want to bust the devil in the face that's what i want to do he is the enemy he will soon be under our feet understand this the coming king who is jesus christ he is going to come and set everything that is wrong to right and one day there will be a peace that lasts forever right now it's battle. Right now, it's, it's, it's war. Right now, we're suiting up with the armor and we're drawing the sword often on the enemy. But one day, it'll be peace. So what are we to do now? Resist the enemy. Because what, this is what the enemy wants to do in the middle of your suffering. All connected with spiritual warfare is to tell you that you're not enough. <laughs> if you'd have just... Read your Bible more. If you'd have just prayed a little bit more. If, if you'd have been a little bit more kind. If, if, if you'd have just checked this box off and checked that box off. And you'd have just done a little bit more. The enemy wants to come in and the enemy wants to whisper lie after lie after lie after lie to you. So what do you have to do? Same thing I do when I accidentally land the remote on a news channel. Reject it real quick. Change the channel. Don't want to hear that jump. Move. Resist. Resist. This this is what Paul said. He said in verse 7 and 8, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that was given to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. He said, I prayed, God, let this be removed from me. And God said, I've got something even greater than what you understand. I've got something that is greater than all of your strength. Your strength is nothing but weakness. But in my when my strength shows up, when, when, when my strength becomes highlighted in your weakness, you're going to understand what all of this plan means and what all of this, all of this has been happening and where all this is, is leading. And, and, and so all I want you to do is, is to trust me because that's kind of how he, he's finishing things. He says, most gladly, therefore, will I Rather, glory in my infirmities is the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure, and he finishes up by saying, in distress for Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then he is, th- that I'm made strong. It's because of his strength. It's, it's the idea of simple trust. Understand, when you yield your trust to Jesus, there is a rejection of the enemy's voice. You say, God, I, I choose this day. In the middle of my pain, in the middle of my suffering, in the middle of all of this spiritual thing that's going on, I choose this day to trust your voice over the voice of the enemy. I choose to trust your direction over the direction that's being provided me for, uh, for my enemy. I trust that your weapons of your warfare are much stronger and more able than the weapons of the, uh, of the enemy's warfare. I'm deciding to trust you. James chapter 4, verse 7. Notice what James 4, 7 says. it will be on the screen here shortly. Drum roll, please. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. you got to watch that process. He says, submit to God. Trust without control. I know that we've been searching for a good definition of the word submit for a long time, right? Because the word submit applies in a lot of different areas of life. Here, when when James is is speaking this, he, submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. What you're literally saying is, I'm deciding this day to trust you without having to be in control. How many of you guys are control freaks? Yeah? Yeah, amen. Right there with you. I like to control things. But submission says, God, I trust you without having any input, suggestions, strong-arming you with direction, God, I submit to your control. I submit to your leadership. And he says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And when you submit yourself, therefore, unto the Lord, then you can resist the devil. But you can't get this verse out of whack. You can't say, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. That's not the way it works. You've got to make sure that the process is in its proper order, and its proper spacing. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. God, I trust you without control. Then you'll receive the power and the authority and the ability to resist the devil. And then you'll watch him flee from you. You you stand. And when you stand, you'll find out that you're not standing alone against the enemy. How many of you guys this morning want to defeat the devil? (laughs) All of us, right? I want to defeat the devil. I want to kick his teeth out. Are you suffering due to come some kind of spiritual warfare, then we are to rejoice. Always. And again, I say rejoice. Andy, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't have to know what you're going through. This is good for all of it. Because he said rejoice always, not sometimes or in special conditions. Rejoice always. Rejoice in your suffering, knowing that there will be a conclusion to your suffering because there is always a conclusion to the battle and there is always a conclusion to a war there will be a conclusion to your suffering. Remember, m- remember grace, that God is a God of grace. And even though you might falter in the middle of your suffering because of this spiritual attack, God is willing and able to restore you and give you the victory that you so desperately need. Resist the devil. First submit yourself unto the Lord. How do I start that right now? Well, maybe in this next few moments, we're going to have a song and And you can, in the next few moments of that song, you can rejoice with your worship before the Lord. You can say, God, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm dealing with. But this is going to be how I fight my battle, not just on Sunday morning at 1107, but from now on, I'm going to choose to rejoice and fight my battles through rejoicing. You might need to remember mercy. And to remember mercy means that I've got to, or, or grace means I've got I've to shift my thinking around a little bit. I've got I've to quit the stinking thinking, right? I've got to have some more healthy thinking. I've, I've got to put it on the right place, and the right place is always God. It's always the Lord. It's always His strength. It's not your strength. And so maybe that means that you need to come and give, give your mind to the Lord. You need to say, God, I, I, can't, I can't keep thinking. The, 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 most of the time, the battle is won in the mind. If you'll surrender your mind to the Lord, then you'll remember grace much more often. And then maybe, maybe you need to repent so that you can start resisting. Maybe there's some things in your life you need to turn away from so that you can submit to him so that you can resist the devil and you can see more of the backside than the front side of him. Man, that was a great statement. just went over y'all's head. That may, that may be what happened this morning. This what, you just need those changes in your life. You need to worship like this is your last time. You need to offer God your thoughts and say, God, these thoughts have been plaguing me. I'm giving them to you. I can't keep thinking this way. Help me think a different way. Help me think of a vein of grace. And I'm turning from my sins so that I can trust you and resist the devil.